I'm Ron Placone, though, and uh, Tina. What's up, Tina? How are hey, you? Hey, I'm Tina Desiree Berg. I am on the road right now, folks, so I'm calling in from my room here in Las Vegas. I'm here covering the CES show, the big tech show. I thought, I thought because you're in your official pink resistance hat, you are at the launch of Hillary 2024. No. That's not what you're up to. No. I thought you were going. I thought you were still recurring. No, I have some. No, no, no. I'm not channeling my inner wine mom. No, definitely not. I am wearing a hat because it's been monsooning, raining out here. And I was up at 5 a.m. out in the rain, then in the hotel, then back out in the rain in the hotel. So the hat's staying on. I have really insane rain hat hair going on underneath there, no doubt. (laughs) What kind of event starts at 5 a.m.? What were they doing at 5 a.m.? Who has anything interesting to say at 5 a.m.? No one. All right. So what were they doing? Why were you awake then? I had to get up to to prep and get some stuff done. And then I had to cover something at 8 a.m. So there's a whole background thing here. That's a, all right. That's quite a schedule. Well, well, thanks for being here. Uh, welcome to Status Quo, everybody. Tina's in Vegas. I'm in Los Angeles. So we're still in the same time zone. And we are uh, still Tina in the same time is, zone. is covering Hillary 24. And <laughs> I'm... Do you see any cat ears on the top of my pink beret? I'm making them for you. I'm making them for you. I'm going to sew them as soon as the show's over. (laughs) So wrong. It's so wrong. What are you at for real, actually? What is, give us a, give us a brief explanation of where you are. In the room? The event. The event. event. Oh, CES. I'm like, my Airbnb or my my dogs with me here? Um, So CES is the consumer electronics show that's the biggest, largest tech show out there. Uh, But, you know, they've expanded in the last few years. They also cover, you know, a lot of uh, content creation now because it relates back to tech. A lot of the hardware and software that's developed, their main target is content creators, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, things like Spotify and whatnot. So um, it's it's really an all-encompassing um, event. You know, t- today I was in the marketing area, so I can tell you brand safety is a big hot topic this year at CES for the obvious reasons. You know, a lot of these guys, they want to work with, you know, you know, social media sites and whatnot, and it becomes, yeah. you know, a dangerous space to be in when you've got Andrew Tate and Andrew Anglin. <laughs> being reinstated that's that's uh my dog that Hypatia? yeah she, she's right she's like i've had enough i i can't do any more brand safety talk today i've just had enough i, I get it up I by get it. it's important yeah she wants to she wants to so, uh, yeah she's like mommy you're back and now i want to play and i'm like Aww, no mommy can't play Hypatia. yet so smash that like button everybody we got a lot of stories for you today we'll get right to them Uh, tina is coming at us from the road but uh so landlords are using spy tech to spy on people we're going to be talking about that uh we're also going to be covering the storm in south dakota hopefully we're going to have a guest here but as you can imagine um we are going to be a bit um we are we are going to be a bit at the mercy of what he may or may not be able to do because yeah i'm worried that He's in a storm in North Dakota, so I'm worried South that Dakota. he might, or South Dakota, South Dakota. he might not have a internet. Yeah, he might not have internet. So, so in South Dakota, there have been very, very significant storms. The weather's been crazy all over the freaking yeah. country, by the way. I mean, it's been, you know, it, it was a ton of rain and, and sleet and hail and snow and like, like really bad snowstorms all over the place. In California, it was like super nice. 
Now California has been raining for days on end, which is kind of unusual here. Northern California has been flooding. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the country is having a heat wave pretty much or close to a heat wave. And then South Dakota is covered in snow. 12, 12 feet foot snow. high. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, wait, we have him. I like see him in the, the, the green room. room. He's in the and green room. Are... This is very exciting. <laughs> They are running out of uh, supplies right now. Yep. So, uh, so it's a very serious situation. Barely anyone is covering, a, uh, is covering this. ABC did yeah. one segment on it, just mentioning, hey, uh, these folks in South Dakota, they are literally running out of supplies on, uh, on, on reservations and so forth. So we are hopefully going to be bringing Warren Gus Yellowhair in here shortly. Um, yeah, it looks like they're testing his audio. Comment. So, uh, so he is, uh, to, to give you guys, uh, uh, he is the men's life waste coordinator. He is part of the Ogallala Sioux tribe, uh, at the Pine Ridge reservation, uh, in South Dakota. And as soon as we know that his tech is okay to go, which again, we got to, uh, be a little patient here, folks, cause we're doing this live and he is in South Dakota where they have a lot of crazy weather going on, uh, 12 feet of snow. A 12 yeah, 12 feet, that's trip, what it says. Which, if you don't have anywhere to be, that can be a lot of fun. But it can also be really freaking dangerous. That is not yeah. a snow drift to mess around with. Especially um, if you lose power. And then if your yeah. heat is being provided by a fireplace, you can't get wood. I mean, there's so many, so many add-on problems that can crop up. Luckily, no one has died, which is remarkable, honestly, is. given the circumstances. That's good news. Oh, yes, there we are. Hi, Warren. Hello. Hi. Hi, Warren. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Yes, uh, it's Gus Yellowhair. Just Yellowhair? Yellowhair? Okay, all right. Gus, G-U-S. Gus Yellowhair, okay. Gus Yellowhair. Welcome, Gus Yellowhair. Uh, so tell us, give us a little bit of background about what's happening right now. People are snowed in, snow oh, yeah. plows can't get in, uh, think food's running out. Definitely, definitely. Is. It, was a, it was a bad situation. It still is. Um, and actually, our tribal president, um, had to declare a state of emergency um, wow. to try to get the National Guard to come out and help remove some of the snow. Uh, yeah, during during the right in the middle of the storm, of course, um, here in my community, we, we were without electricity for about 18 hours. And so the homes that uh, were run by electricity, of course, you know, they uh, the ones with when they had patients that were on machines and things like that. I mean, they, they were just hanging on, you know, for dear life. Um, and, and I heard you talk about um, no loss of life, but uh, actually there was um, a okay. boy that lost his life. He was 12 years old, and that was to the east of us. There's another reservation called the Rosebud. We're still part of our tribe. However, a young boy had lost his life, um, and it wasn't because of the cold. It was because they couldn't get to him um, wow. with the plows and such. You know, it was so cold that, that the, it was... Actually, I think the coldest that it got was uh, negative uh, 44. Holy moly. Uh, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, just really lucky that uh, you know, mo no, that uh, there was no more loss of life than it's unfortunate for the, for the young boy. Um, but, yeah, it was, just a, it was just a very scary and uh, deadly times, um, you know, with that weather, that intense cold, it, you know, just kind of caught people unaware, you know, and uh, so – and especially with the with the electricity being off for like 18 hours, you know, you can imagine that like sitting in a deep freeze or something, you know, for that. Yeah. And, and then unable to move around because that snow was just you know yeah. coming down, 
you know, it was just, uh, it was just, it was just really, uh, it was just such a scary moment, you know, or time, scary time, you know, that, uh, yeah. So yeah, um, right now the, the uh, plows are still out there digging the people that are living out in the country, um, the country folks. Um, here, here where I live, it's in a small village. And so, yeah, we were cleared out, but, you know, the drifts are still, um, you know, going down some, but they were like, you know, 10 to 12 feet in some places, you know, just making it really hard. And of course, towards the end of the month, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the Indian reservation here, um, here on the plains or in South Dakota, but uh, we're considered one of the, uh, you know, uh, poorest uh, counties in, 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 the st- in, in the entire United States. And so you can imagine add that to, you know, that, that situation. And there was, you know, people were, you know, running out of propane and uh, there was actually a shortage in wood, uh, firewood to the ones that um, their only source of heat is, is, is uh, firewood. Fire. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just extreme. I mean, now it's uh, starting to warm up a little bit and uh, it's starting to, you know, melt off, which is making the um, cleaning, clearing the roads uh, a lot more, uh, a little bit easier, you know, so, um, but again, uh, just in the last couple of days, we had another storm that dropped about 12, you know, 12 inches of snow. Wow. And add that to, to add that to what we already got. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, like I said, it was really scary. Um, and uh, just, you know, put, put people so bad that our, our president had to declare that state of emergency. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, How is the supply situation right now? Like, is there any potential shortages on food or medicine, or are you guys pretty okay right now? Or well, yeah, yeah. because of that state of emergency, then you know people have been um, bringing in food, and and it's available to the people that the roads are cleared out. But unfortunately, you still have to you know get it out to the people living out in districts. And we've had uh, people mobilize here uh, and using actually uh, using sleds and uh, to pack it over to snow and get it to them, you know, like that. So, yeah, there's still, there's still some hardships, but like I said, uh, people mobilized and working together you know, to try to get us through this, um, you know, this uh, uh, tragedy. It was a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, it is dream. a tragedy. Um, to, give an, to, to give folks an idea, how much worse is this than your normal, typical winter, temperature-wise, well, snow-wise? Well, actually, we've been, um, we've been in a drought for the last several years and that goes for snowfall as well and so like i said people were just caught unexpectedly you know just on the way when that snow hit um of course the um the weatherman did you know give some um uh a little bit of head time leadway to for people to prepare but it was towards the end of the month you know uh, people live here on a fixed income which is a monthly income and yeah it just just took people by you know by complete surprise you know so yeah, yeah. So that's uh, well, that's the way that's the way it is. That's typically that's the way life is here on here on the Pine Ridge. More extremes. Uh, I also feel like with climate change, though, we're gonna. I mean, coming from a drought to forty negative forty four degree weather with twelve foot you know snowdrifts, that's one extreme to the next. I feel like climate change is playing a role here. It is. It is. People are. Yeah. It, it surprisingly, it is. You know, during that time, the propane trucks were actually breaking down. Um, you know that they were, it was so cold that the diesel was gelling up as, as far as what uh, what they call it. So it was just it was just that's a, crazy. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, again, you know, people are you know trying to get prepared now. Now that the uh, you know, that the roads are being opened, and uh, 
but we're, we're just right at the beginning of winter here so we'll see what's yet to come you know so um yeah i appreciate you guys taking time to you know, get the story out and um, interview and do all that you know so but there's definitely some more you know help that's needed um we always say not a, not a uh, a helping hand you know but a, a hand up you know um you know, just you know we just need the tools and stuff like that we yeah. can we can help ourselves but again you know you're you're talking about a an area that's uh you know considered one of the one of the poorest counties in the nation you know like a third third uh, third world status you know so there's all those challenges that have to be met getting on and you know and just really thankful for the you know the friends that have re reached out and lend a helping hand and, and doing what they can you know so that mobilization of, uh, of that help has been really appreciated here you know very much where so. can people uh where can people go to to learn more or to you know make a contribution is, is there anything available online for for folks to go to like a, a, a there website? is okay. there, yeah there actually is there's uh there's several groups um, but the one that we've been working with here in in uh in my community is called one spirit one spirit right dot org and uh they they help out with uh uh, propane and firewood, uh, clothing and food. You know they they have those. Uh, they have the the equipment you know to do that. And so uh, they're a nonprofit org. And so somebody wanted to make a donation. They can also get a tax write off from that. You know so yeah. So that's one of the organizations that um, that people can go to. And what was that URL? One more time. Uh, one Spirit. www w1spirit.com or dot org one, one spirit.org okay oh, yeah yeah all right we'll make we'll make sure we we get it in the comments and in the description uh, yeah ooh. so people can so i wanted to ask you i, I did find the story about the 12 year old from rosebud sioux tribe who, yeah. who passed because he didn't receive medical treatment this is a preventable it should be considered a preventable death right i mean is yeah. there any what can be done for the future because i feel like more extreme weather patterns are coming at us and we have to sort of account for that and what what should we all be doing to prep for this sort of thing so so that this doesn't happen again do you have thoughts on that well i think that you know just being more prepared you know, for you know for um, you know the, those type of health issues i think um and i don't know how much more prepared you can be than um, maybe like generators uh, for people Gen okay. that, that are on, on equipment, maybe generators that people can share, you know, because we live in like housing areas, like cluster housing. So if uh, people could, um, you know, somehow you know, uh, raise the money to maybe purchase that, like these generators where you can, several families can plug in, the ones that, uh, you know, need uh, life support equipment you know, because of those health right. conditions. Yeah. yeah, so I think just things like that, or even just solar powered, um, generators that you know, that I've seen advertised on different places, you know, and things like that. You know. But like I said, um, you know, if people could help out with that, it'd be great that, you know, just because of the, uh, the, the intense poverty conditions here that we also have to deal with, you know, if people don't have that extra money to, to you know, go out and purchase that. So, right. Yeah, yeah. So there's things like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the know. bigger issue, isn't it, is addressing some of the poverty just across the board. That needs to happen. But it just never seems to happen in this country. Um, also, uh, there's part of the story they're talking about an elder an elderly woman was forced to walk eight miles in the cold since no one could reach her um, to be rescued. Do you know? Do you know this individual? Anything about that story? That's insane. Well, yeah, eight actually, miles. 
well, that's why, especially in the in the uh, winter conditions. But yeah. yeah, the place is like very rural here. Here on the Pine Ridge Reservation, where the home of the Ogallala Lakota people is approximately um, 100 miles long, 50 miles wide. So, you know, there is hardships everywhere. You know, and, and uh, but like I said, people you know try to um, to meet these challenges head on. Um, traditionally, our people were um, you know very industrious people working together, you know, to try to overcome some of these hardships. So, you know, I, I saw a lot of that and witnessed a lot of that, you know, just people going out and just, you know, being that good relative and uh, reaching out and trying to help where they can. You know, so I think, uh, you know, people are um, doing doing quite a bit of that and sharing what they got. You know, I know some people had, uh, you know, with their food and, you know, their resources like that, they, you know, they went above and beyond what, what would be uh, asked of them went out of their way to just, you know, try to help as much as they could. So I, I saw a lot of that, witnessed a lot of that. Castillo here, let me ask you a question. We have a lot of activists that watch uh, our show here on Status Quo. If, if there was something that you could tell them about ways they can support your tribe, you know, other than obviously making donations for you to get the proper equipment that you need, are there other things that they could be doing politically or otherwise, putting pressure on? Oh, definitely. Um, Sister, can you can you excuse me? I'm going to ask my daughter. What is that? Yeah. Organization, um, Indian Collective. Yeah, there's there's an organization called Indian Collective, um, and they've been really you know at the forefront of taking up some of these uh, political injustices, um, okay. land issues, um, treaty issues, and things like that. Um, one of the things that that people could do, if they're listening to this uh, broadcast, is that my daughter and I are owners of uh, Tatanka Res Tours, which is a reservation-based uh, tourism business. Okay. And we've been doing that for several years. And when people come out and visit, then we actually share, you know, some of the hardships that we're going through, uh, the murder and missing indigenous women, you know, just different uh, issues that, you know, that we are able to share with the people. So to support that, you know, that would okay. that would be great. You know, so yeah. And is that is that a separate website uh, for that, or is it all together on the one we're going to share in the group? Um, well, they can look at what's the easiest way to get that sister Tatanka Res Tours. Um, okay. Is, yeah, it's, it's T A T A T A N K A R E Z, and then Tours T O U R Z. We have a Facebook, and they can go to the Facebook and and access that too. And and we we'd, we'd be more than willing to share more, you know, where people okay. can uh, do that because I know it's very difficult to do that when you're doing an interview. They have those all that written down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you mentioned the missing Indigenous women. I mean, this is this to me is it should be a really huge story because it's happening in multiple places. Uh, it is. is is that been a big problem in your area too? It has been. It has been actually, and, and not only here on, on the Pine Ridge and here on the plains, but you know throughout the uh, Western Hemisphere, there's yeah. a lot of that going on, and and uh, just now people are are starting to hear about it. You know, yeah. by just you know, constantly saying, hey, well, this this has to be addressed. You know, in the outside, when somebody goes disappearing or missing, you get Amber Alerts, right? Right. And the country knows. But here, when somebody goes missing, it's either through Facebook, social media, or, you know, um, boots on the ground type of work. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's left definitely some disparities there that, you know, need to be addressed um, yeah. and you know, try, to, try to find some solutions to these problems and, and these injustices, you know, so, yeah, definitely. Ron, I feel like I'm hijacking well, that. 
thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, okay. It. I didn't know if you had any other. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I'd actually love to talk with you folks again about the missing Indigenous women part of the story, because I don't think that's getting enough attention. And that's something that we could have a half hour conversation about uh, that people should really be hearing about. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean that. I mean not not just the women, but it's you know it's been has since moved to men and children as well. You know, they're, they're, there's there's no documentation whatsoever, correct? Like like there's no like the, they don't record. Well, when, any when missing. yeah, when when we approach some of the the policing agencies, you know the powers that be, you know they usually tell us, well, you know there's there's not enough funding, you know to address mm -hmm. issues and things like that. We get, we get the you know, we get pushed back to the back burner. And so, yeah, definitely we have to you know, have a conversation. Would, about it, that. would that be majority FBI that oversees that or is that other agencies? Well, in the Indian country, you're looking at the, you know, the FBI, which is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Okay. You're looking at the U.S. Marshals. Um, U.S. Marshals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those are some, <laughs> some of the agencies that have jurisdiction here on, on the res. But, of course, um, even though they have jurisdictions, they don't uh, apply their resources when it comes to that, you know. So, yeah. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of difficulties, uphill battle all the way, you know. But hey, yeah. you got to keep going, you know. You got to keep going and do what you can, and and uh, you know, sooner or later the message will get out there, and, and right. hopefully these will be addressed, and uh, we'll have. We'll have but to... that's why it's going to take pressure from outside forces to oh, to bring that to bear. I mean, I think if more people realize that these cases aren't getting looked at investigated and all the i mean to in, per capita the, mi the amount of missing women is enormous compared yeah. to what you would see in the, it, like it's it's completely unacceptable that this yeah. is happening but i think if there was pressure brought to the federal government on, on a certain level they would have to start addressing that oh definitely i think um and we've been seeing that um you know it's it's slow to come come to fruitation but we've been seeing that our, our governor has actually appointed a a, a young lady to head that, um, that okay program. so definitely some works you know the because of because of um you know interviews like this and other people other organizations talking about it you know there are uh, our, our um political um, powers that be are starting to address that and we're starting to see more and more people take interest you know so definitely. well that's good yeah, yeah, but more needs to come. I mean, you just can't. More, definitely, way more, way yeah. more needs to come because you know, I we even have some cases here in California in the San Diego area, and when I heard about that, I was like, "How is this? How is this happening?" I, I just, it's very frustrating. Yeah, you bet. I, like I said, the only way to to address it is American public opinion to let more people right. know. I agree. Yeah, and, I agree. Know. They need to be afraid that the opinion so poor that if they don't react or do something something might scary might happen like the politicians might actually lose their jobs or you know et cetera, yeah. et cetera that domino effect um yeah so you bet, you bet. well i've got your um i've got actually got your uh, message messaging where i contact you you're zayna no i'm tina actually zayna but i work with zayna but yeah i mean if you guys want to set something up that would be awesome i would love to have a longer conversation about this Okay, not we. Yeah, I will definitely uh, get some emails out and get connected okay. with the right people, and you know they can um, they can share and, and open. That's great. Do that. Yeah, but, thank yeah. you for doing. Thank this you, and, and thank you, Gus Yellowhair. Appreciate your time. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for having us, and yeah, we'll get we'll absolutely we'll try to find solutions. Yes, absolutely. Thank, thank you, sir. Stay safe out there. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New, Happy New Year. New Year.
Wow. There you go. Okay. Now I'm brokenhearted What's because the I did perspective, huh? Here I was thinking that they didn't have any loss of life from that first article. And then I hear about this and I look it up mm. and I'm like, sure enough, young, 12 years old. This is. <sighs> it's so messed up. And I, I didn't want to mention this on, cause I, I didn't want it to, I don't know, but, but like, like I didn't know if it was like, okay to, to say, but there's actually a very, very beautiful movie um that is uh that addresses the whole like there's no documentation of indigenous women and and i guess indigenous men too now there's no documentation of when they go missing uh it's a movie called wind river um okay and it's based on is it a narrative based on real or is uh, it a documentary it's not a documentary. It's, it's, it's a film, but in, and I think it's, I think it's loosely based on, you know, some actual happenings, but, but it's a fictional story, but it, you know, it it addresses this. And then it's one of those movies where at the end they do, you know, like the whole kind of like post epilogue thing where they say there is no documentation of, uh, and it's a really, it's a really great movie. I mean, I didn't, I don't know. I felt a little weird mentioning it with, with, with Gus odd, like, Hey, there's a great movie about this, but you know, but there is a really uh, educational and also brilliant film uh, about this issue that that I recommend. To it's a very serious issue. It's yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not the movie's not a comedy. Like, like it's a very uh, it's a it's it's, it's a drama. You. Like, like it's a very <laughs> good film. Like, I assume. Uh, but yeah, um, so. but I, I'd actually like to do a whole another segment on that because I don't th- I do not think this gets enough attention at all. And I know when I first heard about some of these stories, I was like, "You're kidding me! How is this?" How is this happening at this day and age? But here we are. OneSpiritLakota.org, folks. Uh, yeah. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, they, and they out. could definitely use some support. So, And if you're ever out that way, check out their their uh, tour company. I, I would like yeah, to Yeah, that actually that. sounds really cool. I, I've not been to South Dakota in a long time. I haven't either. But uh, but last time I was there, I actually did almost get in a, in a car accident. <laughs> because of the weather it snows there all the time i mean it just it snows, snows there, there. Yeah, like it's cold. 10 yeah. months a year it snows there i think maybe not quite that much but close like like close i mean it's like one of those places like montana i think a buddy of mine who grew up in montana he was like yeah there was one year where we got a little bit of snow in july and i was like oh my god that's wild oh, in july that's, Wait, how is why would you know i mean some people hey people who love it that's like that's your place Hey man, if you my family's snow, in it. My family lives in is from a country that's like dark twenty four hours a day part of the year. So uh, I, I am not casting any aspersions. <laughs> no, hey, to each your own. I mean, I mean, I, I know people who they love winter weather and and it suits them just fine. Yeah, and no, power I'm a bad them. Viking. I um, like California. No, I do too. Yeah, I I kind of yeah, but but anyway, I best anyway. them and and guys, please check out all that stuff and and we will yeah. definitely be highlighting more of these stories. Um, so yeah, it's important. Uh, let's go to the Uber landlord store, uses spy tech. We'll, I we'll think... start Uber. Let's let's oh, do Uber. Uber first, okay, Uber. We got some yeah, videos. This is a good story too. So this is kind of breaking, guys, because it's happening today. Yeah. Um, we'll go to the status quo video to start here. So this was actually out in uh, in December. There was some Uber striking action, and uh, we covered it here at Status Coup. John Farina was on the ground. Uh, so let's start there. Let's check out that video. Power, 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 power
confusing. I said it before and I'll say it again. Poverty is the worst form of violence. Poverty is the worst form of violence. Drop the lawsuit. Do it now. NYC, Drivers Unite. We demand you drop that lawsuit. I'm a driver advocate. The mayor knows who we are. We got a petition to reform the Tax and Limousine Commission. Many council members signed that petition, including Eric Adams, including Jelani Williams. We keep inviting them, we text them, we email them, and they're not out here. They don't show up. Somebody's got to ask those questions. Why are they not here? We're two weeks away from Christmas, and look at what Uber's doing. Taxi Limousine Commission approved a minuscule, a minuscule raise for the drivers, and here comes Uber trying to stop it. We didn't even get 25 cents. It's around 23 cents, 24 cents. It's an additional nine, it's an additional 22 cents on the per mile and about five cents on the per minute. We didn't, we didn't hit 25 cents. And the reason they do this, the reason they do, they being, you can't blame them. They're smart. They're being proactive because this is gonna affect future raises. Understand? So it could have been a nickel that we're fighting over. There's Uber still would have sued. You know, because for them, it translates into millions. For us, it only translates into pennies or a few dollars. But we need, we gave the TLC a proposal in 2020 to give drivers $2.50 a mile and 50 cents a minute. The problem with the driver in New York is that people think that we're like a, like a Kmart job, like a, like a $15 an hour job, a minimum wage job. No, we're small business owners. Just like the bodega, the pizza shop, the bakery, we are small business owners. The only thing that our storefront is on a set of wheels. But many people come into our storefront and we're all over the city. We're essential workers. I myself worked throughout the pandemic. Instead of doing 25 trips a day, I was doing three trips a day. And I still went to the hospital. Was not afraid to go to the hospital. I got COVID two times. And that's, it's, it's this, they would not do that to any other working class people, they wouldn't do it. There's just so many immigrant workers in this business that and there's a language barrier, it's so easy to get over on them, very easy. Do you feel like they're using and exploiting you guys? Oh, of course, of course. This is this is not the, this is not boo-hoo, the poor taxi driver. Oh, boo-hoo, we need more money. That has nothing to do with greed. Has nothing to do with greed. This is New York City. I'll tell you what, the Seattle Uber driver, the Seattle Uber driver, is making more money right now than the New York driver, including if we get that race. So this goes wow. into just what Uber has been doing. What they do is they exploit yeah. the contractor designation of their drivers. And yeah. you have situations where drivers are literally sleeping in their car when the CEO buys another multi-million dollar home for himself. Right. Uh, and this also goes back to, well, let's go first to today. So today they did a straight up strike. There was a straight up Uber strike going on in New York City. Let's play that uh, Twitter video here um, yeah. first. Right. We, we will run the dinosaur out of the we table. Have the power. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and please, brother, keep that in mind. The money doesn't make us, but we make the money. Right. That's right. That's right. That is so correct. That is so correct. Uber doesn't make the drivers. Drivers make Uber. That's right. Say that loud. Uber do not make the drivers. Uber doesn't make the drivers. The drivers make Uber. Uber doesn't 
drivers? Uber doesn't make drivers? Drivers make the money. But money doesn't make the drivers. Peace, peace, my brother. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So there you go. And this, there's a couple things going on here. So we know how Uber exploits people. And unfortunately, this can be traced back to a test that California failed miserably that yeah. Tina and I have a lot of familiarity with. And that test was when uh, an or a measure called Prop 22 uh, was on the ballot here in California. Now, Prop 22, even though it was just on the ballot in California, this was a test that Uber was trying to see what they could get away with. So here in California, there was a the piece of legislation called AB5. Now, AB5 was not without its flaws. It needed to have the proper carve-outs that they were still figuring out. But overall, AB5 was a good thing because what it did was it cracked down on Uber's ability to designate drivers as contractors. And it was right. going to force Uber to make their drivers employees, which means they would get better wages and benefits and they would have workers to be compensation and work and the whole nine yards. So yeah. it was going to force Uber to do that because the way that it worked was it basically said, if something is completely instrumental to your business, i.e. you're a car sharing platform yeah. and you need drivers, you then are your workers need to be covered. Your workers need to be covered. You need to be employees. Right. Now, again, are there some carve outs that are necessary in a situation like this? Yes. Something, especially people in the creative field, like in, in my world, a bunch of comedy clubs were like, wait a second, does that mean whenever we hire a comedian, they need to be an employee? That doesn't make any sense because most comedians only play a certain club once a year for like two days. That, that's really bizarre. But so true. But in those instances, a lot of I would imagine those comedians would be covered uh, under an overarching workers comp policy that the club has, though. I mean, what if one of those workers well, yeah, does get if you, if harmed you to... in the course of their set that night? I would imagine that they would not have a total carve out there, not to change the subject, but. No, Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, no, not really. I, I mean, like. The, if, if you they, were playing at Clappers had... and you fell off the stage and you injured yourself, the way to avoid a, a lawsuit in that sense would be to have your injuries covered under a workers' comp policy sure. as a worker. That's sure. all I'm saying. No, I mean, I there's all these, these parts of the conversation that happen when, because a lot of people, I think they look at independent contractors as like, okay, so if I give them a 1099 versus a W-2, right? but that's not entirely how the state of California defines that, that classification, right? It has nothing to do with what kind of pay you have. And in fact, on many film sets, you still have to carry workers' comp for volunteer labor. Anyway, okay. I digress. Yeah, I just do. think um, more workers need to be covered for all of these things. And we've gotten so far down this rabbit hole where, you know, the the wealthy corporate elites are taking. They don't want to pay for the workers comp. They don't want to pay for this. They don't want to pay for that. Make everybody an independent contractor. They're on their own. Then we don't have to worry about it. This has created a really um, a class of workers out there that are, you know, very vulnerable to a great many things because they don't have any backstops. And I, you know, I think we need to course correct that in some way. And we're not, we're going the opposite direction. We are going the, obviously. My, my, point, my, my point was that there are certain situations where you, it, it's very, 
very overextensive to designate people employees. I've been a touring comedian for 15 years, and I can tell you that I am one of those cases. I can tell you that every comedian in the world would agree with that. Uh, something like photojournalists, stuff like that. So my point is AB5 uh, needed the appropriate carve-outs, which they were working on. It's not like they were non-existent. Right. They were working on getting those appropriate carve-outs. Drivers for Uber are not among those carve-outs because Should that's be. an essential part of the freaking business. You need right. to designate yeah. them employees. But what Uber did was they went up against this in uh, in with Prop 22. What they, they bought and paid for a proposition, put it on the ballot. I mean, had yeah. the whole nine. And they made themselves a carve out. They basically yep. said what, what they sold to the people was, was, first of all, they sold this idea that if they had to designate their drivers employees, uh, all of a sudden their drivers would would lose all of their ability to have flexible schedules because there's no such thing as an employee who has a flexible schedule. That's never yeah, freaking happened in the history of ever. It's complete nonsense. They yeah. totally could have had a system that worked in, in a very efficient way where their employees right. got treated right, still enjoyed any flexibility they wanted to have, could right. still be a designated full-time driver or a designated part-time driver, depending on the needs of Uber. Like it, 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 Their excuses were complete and utter BS, but they got away with it. The fear-mongering campaign- They got away with it. Enough. And it, 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 it went through in California. I mean, Ron, do you remember they would have that? And you know what? I don't use Uber, but um, I remember people showing to me on their phone. There would be an ad that would pop up to vote yes on Prop 22 during that entire, during the time it was hitting the ballot be, uh, to the night that, you know, elections happened. So they were, they paid a lot of money, millions of dollars um, to, they to paid control. They out the wazoo. They yeah, were this narrative. everywhere. They were, you would be having your cereal in the morning and a freaking yeah, talking gopher would pop up yeah. and tell you to vote on 22. Yeah. They were freaking, <laughs> it was nuts. I'd never seen anything like it. The, the biggest thing they talked about that election was Prop 22. And then the other thing people talked about ad nauseum was the whole daylight savings thing, which I'll be honest, I, I still don't fully get what the big deal is one way or another. I, I don't like, 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 yeah, I, it's not, I, I, I don't I'm, get it. I, I things we need to fix in the world. That's, you know, and it's annoying, but whatever. You're right. There are bigger fish to fry. I don't get the, <laughs> I mean, I, my thing, I'm always just like, what do the farmers want to do? I'm cool with it. Like, I don't, freaking, yeah. I, I don't know what the big deal is. I, so yeah, people have tried to explain it to me before and I still don't get, I'm like, I don't, yeah, I, mean, I kind okay. of gloss over. I mean, I don't know. Like, but anyway, that was a big deal. People were very uh, interested in that. And then Prop 22, which we really failed. Now, over in the UK, they didn't fail. Uber no. tried to do the same right. bullshit over in the UK. And the UK was like, no, no, no. Not having it. Nice try. You're going to treat us right. You're going to make us employees. Nice freaking try. So they failed in the UK, but they succeeded here in the US. And as yeah. you can see, Drivers are getting less and less. They're getting, uh, you know, penny pinched more and more. And it's just a total. Now, in New York City in particular, you can tell it's like really hard on them because not only are they striking, but they also have a driver's co-op in New York, too, that they're working on. The driver's cooperative. Yeah. I'm not sure how extensive it has or hasn't gotten. I know some friends that use it. Um, so it does exist there. They're trying to. That would make sense to me. So the drivers are creating an app that they can utilize themselves. And, and see, that, this makes more sense to me because 
Uber's taking the lion's share of the money. Even this is to me a classic uh, story of uh, worker exploitation, right? They yeah. they're nothing without their drivers. It, their app is just that; it's an app, right? Uh, granted, it's helped to create this, you know, this this uh, burgeoning marketplace. But but for them to be taking the lion's share when it's really the drivers doing all the work is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. So it makes yeah. sense that they would develop a competing software or app that I would use. That that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, all you need is is like just the you know, I guess ingenuity to like make an app right. that that's collaborative, and and then you the way they have it set up or, or the way it's supposedly set up. I'm not super familiar with them, but it's supposed to be a co-op. It's a straight up cool. co-op that they all have like ownership of. Uh, so if we had something like that across the country, that'd be the best solution, Helpful. and that would probably yeah. be able to put Uber and Lyft out of business, which would be fantastic. Right. Uh, cause they're both freaking awful. I, I think Uber's even they are. worse. They're both awful. I don't even have Uber. I, I have Lyft. I, I haven't either. used it. I haven't used Lyft in forever. I haven't used Lyft in two years, three years, probably. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I started talking to a lot of these drivers and what they were putting up with. And it just was such, it was so bad. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can support this. I'll find yeah, other ways to get right. around. Well, yeah. and plus, like the Uber guy, like wasn't he a big Trumper too? Or there were there was something else. Like, I don't know, but him... that would shock me. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they all are. It's just some are more vocal about it. Like I'm sure, you know, I, I'm sure most yeah. of those, but most most CEOs. I mean, twenty five cent raise. That's insane. With I mean, the rate of inflation. That's not even going to. I, I mean, I, I think about all the things they also have to pay for upkeep on their vehicles. You know, all of these things come out of their paycheck. They're not getting paid extra money for that. Well, and again, that that's how Uber gets away with it, right? Like, like they're, they're they're like you're you're a contractor, so all of your gas costs are on you. I mean, yours, they have some ridiculous. Car, yours. Yeah, they have a bullshit reimbursement thing, but it but it's a ripoff. The car is yours, or in some cases, you can get a car from them. But if you go, but that you have route, to pay rent on it. Yeah, that's the you. other thing they do now, which is they screw you. No, it's it's a. I mean, it's basically when you have a society where people have no choice, that right. really just makes it ripe for exploitation. So how can they get away with it? Well, look at how they can get away with it. Other their other option is to go to a job that doesn't pay them a freaking living wage. So you can either go to a job where you're going to give eight hours of your freaking labor and you're not going to get a living wage, or you can think, well, I'll take my chances on this app. If I really figure out the system, because, you know, to be totally fair here, there are some people that figured out the system that have made a lot of money doing this because really? they figured out a way to beat the, the they figured out a way to beat the casino. Basically, like there are ways where if you basically every customer, you have to see them as not just your ride. You have to see them as an opportunity. And you have to get them in the referral program. Oh, so they're making it on tips and whatnot. I've seen okay. it. No, not mm -hmm. just tips. What they really? do. No, no, no. So so I've witnessed this. This is what they okay. do. Get ready for this. This is kind of crazy. But people who really crack the Da Vinci code, they're make, they have made money. And what they do is like when you're in your car, in their car, they will be like, hey, have you ever thought about trying this? And you either say yeah or no or whatever. And I bet they get a lot of people who are like, yeah, I could use some more money. Uh, so what they do, they get you to sign up. There used to be a program 
where oh, do they get referral get, fees or something? They get referral fees, and then they tell you, right. "Hey, if you don't like it, you just try it for like the couple weeks or whatever you got to do it right. for, and then just dump it. And then you're done. Yeah. And then and then and then, if you're still not sold, if you're still not like, hey, uh, I don't know, man. What they do is they say, "Tell you what, this is the commission I get for signing you up. I'll split it with you." Oh. So they, okay. I mean, they basically uh, like give you some of their money if you just do. And that's how, I mean, you do that enough. Hmm. I mean, you're still making every ride you make. You're like putting an Uber extra Ponzi scheme. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and, and you're putting at least an extra hundred bucks in your pocket every ride you do. Yeah. So there are ways okay. to like beat the system. But I bet out of every 20 drivers, one of them has figured that. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, like it's like if you're even. not going to it's stacked up against you. Right. Like, like it's like saying like, yes, somebody does win the lottery. Sure. Yes. Somebody does be right. the exception to the rule, but you know, what would be way better is if they just treated their freaking drivers, right. And, and made sure they had a living wage. That would exactly. be even better by making them employees. So yeah. Anyway, so shout out to the strikers in New York. I hope eventually co-ops overtake all of this stuff because yeah, these companies are absolutely terrible and evil. <laughs> like they're the worst. So uh, should we move on to um, other great? Yeah, Spytech, the spy landlord tech. eviction Spytech story. This is oh, it's great, just great, just wonderful. The people do this. <sighs> This is why I was part of a campaign to ban facial recognition, folks. This is why. This is why. This is why that shit's really bad. This is why it's really bad that Amazon has over 50% of all online commerce that happens in the world. And they also yeah. are in charge of the ring cams. Isn't that interesting? Half of everything that comes to your doorstep is from us. So we're going to maybe create a problem. Oh, you need more security on your doorstep. Get this camera from us. By the way, this camera you're getting from us, we have a we have a contract with we law enforcement. We have access to all the footage. Yeah. And so do the I, police. And we're not going to yeah. tell you what's in our contract with police. Tough cookies. That's what's going yeah. on. Well, this now, is why my cameras are not ring. I have a security system that I got this year. And I specifically was like, do not want one of these systems associated with Amazon or any of these other companies. I want control over it's possible what to happens. Do. It's possible yeah, so, to do. You got to do your homework. No, no. I, I bought a system where it's, you know, it records on site at my house, a DVR kind of a system. So it's a little bit more old school, but, and they also have, you can upload it to the cloud if you pay extra money for this like third party company. But to me, it's worth not having, you know, having my privacy invaded in that way. It's just not, it's not okay that that, that that's what's happening is happening. But this story, this is wild. So, you know, I, it reminded me in many ways of Costa Hawkins. You've heard me talk about this. This was a bill that happened in California back in, I want to say, 96 around there. But it basically took away um, local municipalities' ability to do rent control laws. And part of the argument that was used going into this was we have plenty of rent control apartments in the state. Uh, if we don't have some sort of incentive, for land developers to take care of the older buildings that are buildings that are falling apart, that's going to be really problematic. So we're going to grandfather in the existing apartments, and that'll be enough. And then whatever new buildings are built, those are the new ones, and it'll, it'll all be peachy keen and fine, right? Yeah. But what's happened was is it didn't take long for these land developers to realize, well, oh, if I buy this building, 
and I tear it down, well, I can just build a new building and now there's voila, no rent control, which yes. is true. So yes, this is what's led to. So what's interesting to me about this story is well, they're now using these cameras. Let's, let's pull it up. So let's pull up. So the vice one of the here. things they're, yeah, let's pull it up. One of the things they're doing though, is they're, they're telling these guys, we can get you out of rent control. If you find somebody doing something illegal and you can evict them, you can now take those two apartments that are studios, knock down the wall, create a whole new apartment. It's a whole new yeah. one bedroom apartment now. Voila, so, no rent control. So this is from Vice, y'all. Meet the spy tech yeah. companies helping landlords evict people. So scroll down to some of their uh, their marketing material. Okay, so this is this is literally the marketing. Wait, wait you read wait, that. You Colin, can you raise rent. Far. Yeah. <laughs> scroll back this up. This is insane. Oh. So yeah, this is literally how they're marketing to people. You can raise, and by people, I mean landlords. You can raise rents in New York City, reads the headline of one promotional email sent to landlords. It was a sales pitch from Timon, a tech company that makes surveillance systems for apartment buildings. We make evil shit for evil people. Temin sales pitch. Can we go back to the article? Um, Temin sales pitch. Uh, proposes a solution to a frustration for many New York landlords who have tenants living in older apartments that are protected by rent control. Uh, three simple steps to re-regulate a unit. First, use one of Temin's automated products to catch a tenant breaking a law or violating their lease, such as having unapproved subletters or loud parties. So basically, have cameras everywhere you can and try right. to catch your tenant doing something they shouldn't or just bullshit saying they did something the best you can. Then, quote unquote, vacate them and merge their former apartment with one next door or above or below, creating a new unit. This is not from a dystopian comedy, folks. This is real no, life. This is this, real. This is this not is real. the onion. This is vice unit that's not eligible for rent protections. Oh, here's another ad. Check this out. Combine a 950 a month studio and a 1400 a month one bedroom into a $4,200 a month. Deregulated. New bedroom. Yay. Wow. Tenants. I, this is, I mean, it's insane. Identify which units are most likely open to moving out or being evicted. Uh, housing advocates. We'll read this last paragraph. Housing advocates and surveillance experts say the practice of adopting surveillance technologies against renters has become increasingly common at a time when black and Latino renters are disproportionately displaced by gentrification and overrepresented in eviction courts. So basically, you want to gentrify this neighborhood, you want to get people out. Well, spy on Fine. them and bullshit your way into evicting them, and then you can knock down the walls. I, they're marketing this. They're marketing I, I this. Wrong. I never thought I would see the day where somebody came up with this idea of like, wait, why do we need to tear down the whole building and rebuild it? Let's just tear down a wall and combine them into a new apartment and then it's a new spot. Like, to me, this is like the next level of what we've been seeing, right? So, I mean, because it's cheaper for them that way. They don't have to bring, they don't have to build a whole new building to get out of rent control. They just have to turn these smaller units into these more expensive two bedrooms, right? So yeah, it's uh, this is crazy. I mean, we have a very not, serious problem with lack of affordable housing in, in the country, not just New York and California. It's it's, no, it's really becoming a problem now. everywhere. Everywhere is becoming more and ex more expensive, and people are getting less and less as far as like what they're able to yeah. make. I mean, it, it's. 
we are living in a time where, and we're going to get into this next, we're living in a time where there's going to be a lot more people that become housing insecure and our next story, food insecure. Both those things are happening in freaking real time and surveillance is helping it happen. Surveillance is helping it happen. These technologies are being actively used against people and against uh, your fellow citizen. And when you have Ring, I mean, Ring is trading all of their information with law enforcement. And what are cops usually using that stuff for? They're usually using it to literally troll for nudes in some cases. We reported yeah, on that. That's happened. that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who knows? They try to get you, revenge on an ex. You I know mean, how there, many there's times? probably some officers that are actually investigating a crime that's who knows what. But it, yeah, it has a zero it has a zero percent success rate, just so you know. So if there are officers doing that, it has a zero percent success rate. Is that true? Rate. That is wild. It has never helped them catch a bad guy, quote unquote, ever. So, so it's got, I mean, maybe some are trying. So they strictly just these guys that are, wow. Yeah. That's, I didn't know that. Wow. That's even worse. Some some have successfully. That makes it even worse. Yeah. No, some have successfully uh, solicited nudes. Some have uh, gotten revenge on an ex-girlfriend. Zero have ever caught a bad guy. Literally zero. So are some trying? Maybe. I kind of doubt even that. But even if they are, zero percent. Big whopping zero percent success rate. And so, really, I mean, they, here's the other thing on that note, Ron. If if they were investigating some sort of murder, rape, whatever, and they they could still subpoena the footage and get a court order to be like, yes, we're investigating this rape crime, and yeah. it would be helpful to see if there's. A, I mean, there are. This is why we have a Fourth Amendment, right? This is why. So I don't think um, we should be discarding that just to make it convenient. Mm-hmm. because it, it it breeds all these really bad behaviors that you're that you're talking about yeah totally i mean and 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 now you're seeing that they're making it a tool for predatory landlords and yeah, which you is know like, that well because they know like all the big companies are going to take advantage of it they know that oh, like 100%. all like, like the black rocks and all right. you know it's not like it's not like the right. people looking to use this thing is just like you know Joe mom and pop who have right. like one investment property that's been in their family for like 30 right. years no. or something yeah. like they're not part of the problem. It's the freaking investment companies yeah. that try to it's buy all funds. those people out yeah. the, and it's the, the pre- reach, and they the own fund. everything. They own yep. everything they own. I mean, what they do, especially in, in places like Southern California, anything that's reasonably priced for whatever reason, they'll just buy it for they'll cash. It. They'll flip it. And then if they can't find uh, someone who's willing to pay the price they want them to pay, they'll just let it sit dormant because they have other properties. So the prices of all of that will go up. And that's happening all over the country. If you think that's unique to L.A. and San Francisco, hate to disappoint you. It's happening everywhere. Is it the worst in like more, you know, high traffic area places like New York, L.A.? Yeah, it's worse there. But it's going on everywhere, and it yeah. is a nationwide parasite, and surveillance is helping it. And this is why digital rights are really freaking important, my friends. I friend. agree. I agree. So this is uh, one of the things that Status Quo has been covering a lot that you don't see much of anywhere else, which is sad to see. But yeah. the Kroger-Albertsons merge, uh, we've been talking about that a lot. And uh, to give a quick refresher, Kroger and Albertsons are trying to merge. 
And they're doing it at a time where our grocery prices are very high. Um, now, the reason we're given for those grocery prices being very high is bullshit. We'll get to that in just a right. second. But also, the fact that they're doing this now makes it even more concerning. It'd be concerning no matter what, but it's even more concerning right now because what they're going to try to do, they're going to monopolize our food chain yep. and then they're going to lock those high prices in. Because lock the high when prices in and the wages down. Um, yes. Yes. I like I, I one of the things that happened on the road to where we are today with this uh, with Kroger and Albertsons is, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, they actually had employees that they were paying to deliver groceries. Right. So it wasn't uh, Instacart. Right. So they were actually you would have a, you put your order in. It would be an, a, one of the employees of the grocery store that did this. And then they moved over to Instacart, right? So they sent out an email one day that was like, we're getting rid of these employees. You can now use Instacart, blah, blah, blah. And of course they tried to tell you it's better for the consumer and you know, this, which is nonsense. Right. But I was like, okay, well, of course they're doing that. They don't want to pay the union labor because you know, these are union contracts with these uh, grocery, grocery retailers. And if they go to Instacart, they've now gotten rid of the union labor. They're paying, you know, a very little to the third party, if anything at all. I, I think um, I think they just contract them out, actually. But mm -hmm. mind you, they're independent contract contractors now. And that's a huge uh, that's a huge amount of money they're now saving that's going to go into their profits. So I think one of the biggest drivers of this merger and hopefully the Department of Justice steps in and says, no, it's not acceptable. But I think one of the biggest benefits they're looking at is is they want to keep labor costs down. They don't want the unions to come back. Oh, they're already uh, trying to lay people off. I mean, they're trying to lay, yeah. especially like, I mean, they can only go so far as far as like the actual labor labor, because, you know, no matter how far you want to cut it back and they're going to cut it back as much as they can. But you still yeah. need people to put food on the shelves, you know. Right. I mean, so Kroger going tried after to labor. They're going after labor. Remember, they tried to shut down the three three of their stores. They actually tried to shut down what a year and a half ago about because I people covered tried this. to unionize. Yeah, right. And I was like, you can't. They would rather walk away from having these stores than to pay these folks. You know what would yeah. have been, I think, three dollars more an hour or something. So uh, they ended up stepping away from two of the stores. I believe I can't remember now. It's been a while, but but nonetheless, but this already, is where they're already trying to gut their offices. Because yeah. it's like they can't, you know, like, like okay, we're going to try to, you know, stretch labor as far as we can go, but we're still going to need some, I mean, someone still needs to put the food on the shelf. We can only go so far there. I mean, we're going to exploit them as much as we can, but like their offices and stuff like that, they're basically eliminating people because guess what? You don't need marketing when you have a freaking monopoly and they exactly. know that. And they will absolutely they have a monopoly. That. I mean, so they're already giant retailers. They're already mini monopolies. Yeah. So here's something that dropped today. Let's go. I mentioned earlier how, uh, you know, their whole, oh, inflation is why your grocery prices are high. That's bullshit. Here's a tweet from More Perfect <laughs> Union that shows why that is complete and utter bullshit. Basically, check this out. Food companies want you to believe that despite price increases last year, they're making less due to inflation. But the first major food company earnings report of 2023 just revealed that that's a lie. Food price gouging is paying off big time. They're getting record profits here. 
Uh, so it goes on to say Congo Brands, owner of Ready Weep and Duncan Hines. Con oh, is that how you say it? Conagra. Conagra. Yeah. Conagra. Con. Conagra. No, Conagra. Like Viagra con. with a con. <laughs> All right. I got gotcha. you. All right. All right. Con Viagra. Conagra. Con. Sorry. It's, it ends with an A, doesn't it? You're messing around. Yes, I'm being silly. Oh, all right. All right. So, so, <laughs> all right. So, listen, Aggravated Viagra, the owner of Ready Whip and Duncan Hines, just posted record sales of 3.3 billion and expanded profit margins. Management uh, used a series of price increases to increase margins. So, so yeah. it was all bullshit, y'all. It was all bullshit. They didn't need they they price gouged. They used and by the way, a lot of people have been saying that for the longest time. They're using what's happening uh, as, a, as, as an a excuse, excuse. and yeah, they're causing the, they're causing the the problem. They're causing yep. the problem because they're raising the prices. So that's what's really going on. Now I want to jump real quick to a propaganda piece. That's what this is, by the way. Uh, this is a propaganda piece from uh, oh, a food, yeah, a food industry wild. site. <laughs> Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up, again, this gets specifically into the Kroger-Albertson's merger, and this piece of propaganda is doing their dirty it's work amazing. for them. Because it's amazing. Because when, um, when they met with the uh, FTC, the basic big thing that I, I think it was even a Republican who said it, for crying out loud, but the big thing they told Kroger and Albertson's was, you guys haven't justified why this merger is necessary and right. we're not really sure why you guys should be able to do this how is the world a better place with you guys merging it's it's so apparently a terrible idea that even the united states government smells bullshit that's yeah. how ridiculous it is <laughs> that even they're thinking hey we know our donors would love this but we don't know if we could pull this one off uh so colin can we pull up the the piece the the food industry yeah, this is exactly. wild. What is it? Food industry executive. This is like the ultimate gaslighting. Oh my god. So so this is foodindustryexecutive.com. Their name <laughs> should tell you everything you need to know where they're coming from. Clearly this is a uh, uh not an unbiased news source, folks. This no. is an industry publication that's helping out the the merger people. Why the Kroger Albertsons merger could be a win-win for the industry and customers. This is from no. Food Industry Executive. <laughs> Here, wait, check it out. Scroll slowly. Oh, they did finally put. Okay, so before they didn't even put who the authors were. They did. I was when, just when noticing that. Out, they did yeah. now. Here, scroll down, Colin. So they did. Uh, <laughs> what an awesome uh, photo descriptor, by the way. Two women shopping at a grocery store. Look at that. Two women shopping at it, in case you weren't sure. Um, all right. So they did give the name of the authors. It, before, it just said, like, by the industry, because it was such bullshit. Uh, anyway, in mid-October, all right, so they're trying to merge. Here, scroll down a little bit. Um, all right, so listen to this. For Kroger Let's get to the propaganda. There's some yeah, good yeah, yeah. propaganda in here. Like so scroll down. They're saying why it's good for Kroger and Albertsons. We can sum that up for you. They'll make a fuck ton of money. And all right, here. As the grocery right. industry is starting there, really. Yeah. Here, wait, scroll down a little more because they, they do the bullet points. They do the bullet points. They do these bullet points where they're like, oh, yeah. And here they try to have you scroll down. It's like it's it's past the. Uh, OK, so check this out. It's it's at the. Uh, well, now it's nowhere. But it, it's it's <laughs> it's. it's <laughs> potential opportunities. We're struggling today. Is it there? I don't. 
Oh, here it is. Yes, this is it. All right, it wasn't bullet points. It was okay. just, it was just in bold. My bad. Uh, all right. So there are two customer centric opportunities created as a result of this merger. Uh, all right. So smart personalization. <laughs> That's bullshit. That means nothing. Wait, if I, yeah, who, nobody goes grocery shopping looking for smart personalization. That's let, just let me, bizarre. Let me just give some freaking life advice to anyone who's single out there. If you are <laughs> ever on a dating app and someone under their interests lists smart personalization, <laughs> swipe left immediately. What the hell does that even mean? They are a walking <laughs> PR piece of a human. All right, but right. here's this bullshit. For decades, grocery brands focused on scaled reach and mass marketing to engage and retain customers. In case you didn't know you need fucking food to live, they had some marketing for that. They relied heavily on milk, bread, and eggs loyalty. You know, the shit that people eat. Have you ever seen an advertisement for bread? Probably not. It's something people just know exists and they eat it. But anyway, however, increasingly discerning consumer choices, including emerging preferences for blah, 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 along with so a strong recommendation engine can renew foregone brand loyalty. Grocery chains can help to drive future purchases by prompting the purchase of frequently occurring or last purchase items through push notification or custom email campaigns. All this means is that. They're going to know what you bought and they're going right. to encourage you to buy it more. And they're going to send you emails more. telling you you need to buy more. Yeah, I, I mean, they're sort of, it's sort of not reading the room, this is it? This means nothing. This, and like they're they, saying, well, this is why you should be fine with a merger that's going to price you out of food. Because of right, well, then they go on to argue that it's, it's actually not going to price you out of food. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, the no, they, they say that. All right, so let's go back to this bullshit. This is amazing. So, all right. So that's, I think we covered the, the smart. I mean, they should have said to take this to the next level and just stopped right there. So here we go. <laughs> rewards. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Wait, scroll, scroll back up the rewards portion. So rewards, uh, both Kroger and Albertsons have uh, been praised for their outstanding loyalty programs. Yeah. They already have those. They don't need to freaking merge. Right. Uh, so combined with blah, 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 blah. So they're going to, you know, have the rewards program that they already have a subscription economy. It is critical for the joint brand to identify the core reason that current customers are subscribed to Kroger and Albertsons individually and what value the merged entity could offer it's, to consumers. It's to save money. How do they not see that? I mean, most people, when they when they join these things, it's because they want access to the coupons, the discounts that they offer only. Like, people are desperate to save money on their grocery bills. There's no giant mystery here. But, I, but they're trying to frame it as if... Um, it's something other than that, right? Brand loyalty became less of a thing because people realized that they could buy the same quality of a consumer good from a no-name brand for a dollar less. That's what that is what destroyed sort of the brand but loyalty. Tina, that was yeah, Tina, don't you know we live in a world where people are thirsty for more digital marketing? Listen, you to are this. if you're a multi-millionaire, but who are they talking to here? I mean, does everybody that shop at Kroger's and Albertsons, they're not multi-millionaires. This is the Irwan customer. They're just they're temporarily addressing. embarrassed multi-millionaires. That's what they are. They'll be a millionaire <laughs> next week. And when they do, they're going to want some more digital marketing in their life. Look, on the retail media business side, the combination of already established Kroger Precision Marketing and the Albertsons Media Collective would serve over 85 million households. Don't miss out providing cross-country reach, an extensive store of transactional data, and an impactful advertising opportunity. It's basically oh, saying you're going to love this merger because it's going to make it easier for us to try to sell you shit. Market guess you. What? I know. You We're going to lock in our profits, not 
Yeah, it's insane. This How, is so... Have, there's no part of this that makes sense for the consumer. That's what was wild to me when I read this thing, when you sent it to me. I'm like, wow, this is wild. They're they're not addressing anything here that makes sense for a consumer at all. But they're doing... They're doing but they're doing what's right for a profit-driven corporation. Yeah. They're doing their homework for them because if the government <laughs> comes to you, if the FTC comes to you and says, we don't understand why this merger is necessary, then they go to food industry executive or whatever the hell right. it's called. And they say, hey, how can you justify this being necessary? Well, we get to price gouge people and make more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to say that part out loud, though. Come up with something else. And the reason I wanted to share this, just so you all know, that's the best they could freaking come up with. Which is not, that yeah, absolute not bullshit that makes no sense. Smart personalization? What does that even mean? Besides nothing. That was cooked up in a freaking PR branding brainstorming session between a bunch of freaking evil the, the bunch of shoppers that go to Irwan and nowhere else. Like, do pe when I say Irwan, do people know what I'm talking about? No, I actually it's don't know It's ridiculous, oh, it is this ridiculously is overpriced that, grocery store on the west side. Do, do you wear your hat when you go there? I don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> I went there once to cover a protest. And, and literally, I was like blown away that anybody would ever shop in this store. It's I've where all the really been. wealthy Venice people go to shop and everything is like five times what you would spend even at Whole Foods. It's ridiculous. And so is it? Is it like, so the only kind of like, sort of hoity-toity place i will occasionally go in for like a small thing is gelson's is it like way oh it's way beyond gelson's like oh, it makes so it's gelson's look like the gelson's? 99 cent store oh my god wow. yes. all right so so gelson's is as fancy as i get that's that's yeah, that's this my place looks, this place makes gelson's look like the 99 cent store dude like it's all right well all hey i'm not i'm not as fancy as you i i don't i don't i'm not I, I just know it exists. I don't shop there. No, I'll power to you. I know. I know. Yeah. No, Gelson's is this, so. Yeah, this merger is absolutely terrible. And yeah. and seriously, like, I know it's ridiculous that that's the best explanation they could come up with. But like, joking aside, like, this is the going danger to is real that the DOJ won't enforce antitrust here because there's been a pattern of the last you know 15, 20 years where they haven't. And it is detrimental to consumers. It's detrimental to the economy writ large, in my opinion. Um, hopefully this is a bridge too far, though. I mean, they're you both hope, mini but... monopolies already in their own right. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If this goes through, though, <clears throat> there's going to be more food insecure people. Like, that's oh, yeah. just like more people are going to legit. It'll put people like me and you in that bracket. I mean, we're I mean, this is like it's becoming really tough as it is. And I can't and grow tomatoes. I've tried and I, I failed freaking miserably. Can't either. It's like bad. Like, I'm like, I'm like, shit. Well, I guess mm, this could get weird because, yeah, no, I mean, like, like this is and it's bad. no one's talking about it. And, and you're seeing how it's like they've they clearly it's all a ruse. But because this merger is happening now, it's it's not a coincidence it's happening now. It's not a coincidence. They saw prices spiking and they say, now's our chance to lock it in. That's the same. Yeah. Like, like, that's why it's like, remember when gas like like gasoline spiked completely and, and George W. Bush accidentally said the quiet part out loud. He said consumers will get used to this. Remember when that happened? I do. And he was proven correct. Yes, they fluctuated a bit, but he was proven correct. 
And the mm-hmm. oil and gas companies knew they could get away with it. That's why they've been making record profits since. The same thing is happening now, but it's with food. It's yeah. with freaking food. I, I mean, yeah. this is really serious. And this is the bullshit they're going to use to try to sell it. And yeah, on shows like this, we can laugh at it because we see how freaking ridiculous it is. But you know what? A corporate bot FTC might fall for yeah. it. Or, you know, intentionally fall for it. You know what I mean? Fall for it. Yeah, fact. 100%. Regulatory so, capture is also a problem. Uh, so, folks, we'll keep covering it here and yep. we'll see what happens. I mean, their goal is to get this through by 2024. And by they, I mean Kroger Albertsons. So uh, there's still some time for them to stop this, but we'll see. I mean, you know, there's not really reason to to be convinced one way or another. They did have a little pushback, but who knows if it'll be enough. And uh, guys, if you want to become a member here at Status Coup, you can go to statuscoup.com slash join. Your membership funds independent journalism. It allows Status Coup to go on the ground at the Uber protest. It allows Tina to go to Vegas for the Hillary 24 rally. It allows Jordan to cover the beach. Uh, you get the idea. No, she's, she's at a conference in Vegas. It's not the Hillary 24 rally. But I am making her pink cat ears. I am going to do that, and she's going to no. she's going to tape them on that hat. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so statusq.com slash join. 